So, welcome back. I think everyone, apart from Amanda's, <laughs> who is here, was here last week. So I don't have to say too much about um, what we spoke about last week, but we will just carry on with the second of the ideal, um, uh, what did I call it? Ideal attitudes. That's right. That was, that's what the word was. And I sometimes find it a little bit difficult to separate especially those two. So the first one is, is kindness and is goodwill. And usually the object we focus on, as I tried to describe uh, last week, is something positive. So we make sure that we you know, disregard or just put aside for a while the things which are not useful to evoke those feelings, and we focus on the other part. And if that works well, it's actually not so difficult. Because having something positive, having something beautiful, having something inspiring to bring your mind towards is really helpful. And that can actually draw your mind into it and lift it up and, you know, it just kind of works by itself. Now with the next one, which is called Karuna in Pali, in the old um, Indian language, is not... The trigger for it is not um, goodwill, like saying, may you be healthy, may you be happy. It is actually seeing suffering, seeing something which is um, unpleasant, something which is difficult, and using that as a trigger to um, facilitate or to evoke this feeling of caring, this feeling of, yeah, please come in, <laughs> this feeling of... Um, Compassion, as they sometimes call it. Now, what I feel is tricky about this is because it is a negative feeling, because it is a difficult feeling, um, we can get caught up in that rather than in the care and the um, kind of sympathy or the hope that we want to tap into, which I feel is very similar to what we discussed last week. But basically, what we are saying, if you want to put it in a phrase, is may you not have suffering. May you not be ill. May you not feel unsafe. So it's like, like a negative. So uh, with meta, it's kind of on the other side. You are taking the positive aspect. So when you say may you be healthy, you focus on the health. You focus on hopefully the health which is present in a person. But sometimes you are um, faced with a situation where you actually have sickness and you can't, well, you can look away, but it's not really so useful to do that. So you have to find different ways of dealing with this. And it might also happen, as you um, might remember from last week, we had these similes where you have, you know, the, the cloth which is nice in the middle and not so nice in the outside. You have the pond, which is overgrown, and you can just kind of sweep it away. Then the more difficult one, where you have the hoof print with a little bit of water, you have to be really, really careful, but there's still some pure, clear water that is easily accessible. But now we come to the situation where it's not present, or it's very, very difficult to see or to perceive or to get in touch with it. So you just see this... Yeah, sheer suffering, for example. And then you kind of have to switch perspective. 
and use all the resources that you can. And what I found interesting is we were talking about um, TV series <laughs> with the monks recently. I don't know how we got there, but for some reason uh, we, we got to the song of Knight Rider or something. And because of Knight Rider and Baywatch, um, MacGyver came up. And uh, we talked about MacGyver, you know, for, for a minute or so. And I just, as I told you last time, I have what is happening for me, made the teaching in the back of my mind. And I was like, ah, this is an opportunity. This is like MacGyver. You come into a really difficult situation and all you have is like, uh, I don't know, a rubber band, a chewing gum and, uh, and a ballpoint. And you somehow have to make it work to solve the problem, to solve the problem of suffering. The problem of something is, is not nice. So you have to become more creative. So maybe I will read out to you um, the simile that is used. Uh, I'm going to read it out this time because it's a bit more complex. It has so many things in there. And that is what you can do when you come into a situation with a person who is really, really difficult. And it's really hard to perceive the good part. And it says, suppose a person was traveling a road, along a road and they were sick suffering, gravely ill, and it was a long way to a village, whether ahead or behind, and they didn't have any suitable food or any suitable medicine or a competent carer or someone to bring them uh, within a village. Then another person traveling, that would be us, um, along the road sees them and thinks of them with nothing but compassion kindness and sympathy. Oh, may this person get suitable food. May this person get suitable medicine or a competent carer or someone to bring them within a village. Why is that? So that they don't come to ruin right there. So we have to basically see a situation and then be a bit imaginative and see something which I like to call potential. So see the seed which is in that person. See the seed which is in that situation. Even though it's not obvious, even though you can't see what is in the seed, but it's there. And you take that seed and put it in the right environment, give it the right nourishment, protect it, give it water, give it soil, and then something beautiful will grow out of that potential. So it's the potential of hope. It's the potential of help. Uh, it's the potential of health. And often we do get in situations where we can't really help. We switch on the TV, we read the news or whatever, and we see a war in a country which is horrible. You know, the things that we are exposed to. And it's so easy to get caught up and carried away by those negative feelings, by um, resonating with the suffering. <laughs> and karuna is not resonating with suffering. Karuna, care, is having that as a trigger, but then resonating with this beautiful quality of care, of wishing that the war, of wishing that this destruction, of wishing that this pain can be alleviated 
that there is some moments of respite for those people, that they will find a village, that they will find medicine, that they will find a suitable person who can help them, that they will find some teachings, some things that inspire them, something that can uplift them, even though they are in a really, really difficult situation, to just remove them from that situation, so to speak, even if it's just for a short period of time. So, and one other thing that I have done over the years is um, try to have little teaching tools. And one of them which came up a couple of years ago, I think it already is, is the acronym CARE. Um, and I wanted to go through that with you to describe a little bit more what that care, what that sympathy, sympathy sorry, what that connecting and being with another person or with whatever arises can be. Uh, one thing that I forgot to mention before is, so even if someone is suffering, even if someone is really ill, even if we can't do anything physically or, you know, really change the situation, even just coming into the situation, being there with them, giving them the feeling that they're not alone is something which is really, really helpful and really, really powerful. But anyway, let's start with the acronym um, CARE. So the C stands for courage and also connection. So if there is suffering, if there is something unpleasant, we will automatically want to move away from it, turn away from it, have fear um, of being overwhelmed or of just not liking the feeling that arises with it. So of course we want to be careful and make sure that we are stable enough and feel safe enough, that we can do all these things, but we can bring up the courage to put ourselves in a safe place where we feel okay, and from that place have the courage to open up, to resonate, but kind of from a distance. <laughs> so you're still in that safety. I often describe that it's like when a storm is coming past. So you are in the house, you know you're safe, there is a glass window, but you can look out, as I did as a child, what is happening with this storm. You can see the thunder, you can see the, the lightning, you can hear the rain maybe even on the window, but you are in a safe place inside. So we want to make sure that we are safe. But that we have the courage to turn towards, have a look, and actually try to understand what is there. And when we do that, we actually connect with that other person, and connection is really important. Or we connect with that feeling within ourselves, in our minds or in our bodies, and that way we can get to know it. That way we can make friends with it. That way we can realize that it fluctuates, that it becomes stronger sometimes, that it becomes weaker sometimes, that there is things we can do to um, quieten, it, quieten it down or to make it less of a problem. So first one, courage and connection. Then the next next one, which kind of goes into the same um, uh, understanding of this, is the A of acknowledgement and of accepting. So we do talk a lot about letting go in meditation and in day-to-day -day life and in Buddhism altogether. And, you know, it's a, it's a good, good idea. It's a good concept. But if we let go without accepting something, we're actually pushing it away. And when we're pushing something away, it doesn't go away. 
it feeds the energy of it. And the example that I often bring up is, is Laurel and Hardy. There is this sketch where they get uh, like a sticky tape or something stuck to their hand. And they're trying to get rid of it, and then it jumps from one hand to another part of their body, and they shake this, and it's just the whole sketch is just, just that. And that kind of reminds me of what we are trying to do. It's not letting go. Letting go is accepting, seeing what is there with an open hand, without grasping it or without trying to push it, push it away, and then let it go its own way. Or even just, if we can, sometimes turn our hand around and if it's not sticky, it will fall out of the hand. But we are not pushing it away. We're not trying to get rid of it because that is what increases its power, increases its energy. So we want to make sure that that energy, the negative energy, is not entertained and made stronger. So accepting and acknowledgement is very important. Also, the other idea of suffering Sometimes we don't want to see what is there. Sometimes we don't want to acknowledge that there actually is a problem, that we are sick, or that, that there is something wrong, or that, that is, something is not quite okay. And if we don't accept that, if we don't see that, we can't find a solution because we haven't really understood what it is about. And the other accepting part there is as well that we realize that suffering is part of life. <laughs> that the Buddha has taught this as his first noble truth and that it is normal when we suffer at times. It's normal when we are happy at times. It's normal when everything is going well, great. But it's also normal if it doesn't. There's nothing wrong with us. It's nothing wrong with the world. It is just like that. Then the R stands for resources and for reassurance. So we get into a difficult situation and often we feel hopeless or we feel overwhelmed or we feel like we don't know what we can do with this. So we have to find resources. We have to find resources within ourselves. We have to find resources outside of ourselves, people, um, things, um, habits that we can develop. And that will give us some reassurance. And that reassurance is what I spoke about before. So even if someone just comes and visits someone in hospital and acknowledges this is a difficult situation without being scared, without running away, just wanting to be a friend and letting them know it's okay. I'm here for you. You're not alone. I'm happy to help out. But I might not have the solutions. I might not know how to help you, but I'm here. And we are together and we can, you know, solve this together or we can walk through this together and it will change. So that's the reassurance and, and the resources part. And then we get to the E of energy and of empowerment. So before, what disempowers us is the negative energy of all this that we are often feeding. Now we want to make sure that we don't feed that negative energy and that we feed the positive energy, that we feed the potential that I was talking about before, that we empower a person in that situation. Because very often, um, karuna is used as um, like trying to help someone as well. You get in a situation and you're on, on the other end where... You have some resources and you are fine, but you want to make sure that you don't fall into controlling the other person or telling them what to, what to do 
or trying to micromanage the situation or whatever. You just want to be there and care. You don't want to control. You don't want to push them around. So you want to make sure that they can find their own energy again, that they can find their own empowerment to get out of that situation. Because otherwise you might end up in a difficult, um, uh, what is it? It's not a relationship, but it's a difficult kind of um, reinforcing mechanism where you are the fixer. Where you are, say, in a, in, a, in a role as the parent, for example. Of course, as a parent, you have a certain responsibility towards your kids because they can't take that responsibility when they're small. But then they become older and have, make their own experiences and you want to trust them and you want to give them and um, empower them to solve their own problems on some stage. That you don't have to run in there as a parent all the time and watch what they're doing and try to control them, even though it's like a... a a kind controlling <laughs> and you really want to help them but if you really really want to help them the best thing you can do is trust them that they have heard enough have a relationship that is so good that they know if they are in trouble if they need help they can come and get the help but you don't have to kind of force feed it to them <laughs> if i might be using that word so that's the kind of um, acronym that i came up for this um, care principle. I uh, hope that makes sense. And I hope that is more or less what I was trying to say. Let's see if there is anything else that comes up. No. Is there any questions right at this point that anyone might have about anything I've said? No? It's all yeah. good. Yes, please. I think a few months ago, we went through all that, what you have just mentioned. Okay. When Kim's mother was dying. Yes. And uh, then the Buddhist society, Anjan Brown and the monks, mm. came to visit my yes. mother-in-law. Yes. It was very powerful. It was exactly that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Presence is very, very powerful. We often think we have to do, we have to manage, we have to solve. And there is a place for that. But... If we are in a frenzy, if we are not stable, if we are not wise, if we are not grounded, we don't make good decisions. Even though we make a lot of decisions and we think, oh yeah, I'm doing a lot. <laughs> but we might sometimes realize that we are doing this because we're afraid. And we're trying to cover up that fear that might be there. But if we have the trust or if we have someone who can come in and hold the situation for us, where we, can, where we can just kind of step back and just be there with that person. And I had, I had all these things happen for me with my mom as well, you know. I mean, you have situations where something happens and you're not prepared for it. And you think like, oh, what's going to happen? Is she going to die now? Is it going to be my, on my shift or is it my responsibility? Is it, you know, that of course comes up. But it's so important to realize that we don't have that much control as we think we do. And when we are there, when we are present and when we are caring, the likelihood of actually doing the right thing, of feeling the signs of what is there, of seeing the people that are available to help is much larger than when we are overwhelmed, when we are problem-solving, when we are just um, managing, basically. There is a time for that, 
but we have to make sure we step out of that management mode and go into the silent mode. <laughs> that's, that's a mode of it on the cell phone, isn't it? And go on the kind of just receiving mode and feeling mode and caring mode and listening mode and just realize, you know, this person is old. <laughs> old age is a reality of life. This person is moving towards, you know, their last stage of life. Is it helpful for me to deny that? Is it helpful for me to push against that? Or is it more helpful to accept it, to see it and say like, okay, this is the situation. I don't know when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen. I don't have the control over this. I will try to do my best with all the people that are around that person to also do their best. But I just, there, there is a limit. And it's not my, it's not my fault anymore. It's not the world's fault. <laughs> it's just how, how things are, yeah. I hope that goes along those lines. And, uh, yeah, I mean, even for myself, you know, there were so many people that were there as well that did a terrific job that I could do my share. And sometimes we also feel we have to do more than we actually need to. And we're not willing to let other people do their share. And give them, in Buddhist, Buddhist terms, also the merit to do something good and to step in. Or even if they don't do it for that person, do it for ourselves. So we are the caretaker. We are expending a lot of energy. People come and say like, what can I do for you? How can I help when the situation is difficult or when someone has died? Allow them to cook for you. Allow them to clean your house. Allow them to do just the day-to-day -day stuff that you um, don't need to do at that time if someone else is willing to, so you can rest, so you can recuperate, so you can get clarity, so you can get energy again to go back into the situation afresh and um, have access to um, those beautiful emotions, which are only there when the mind is, is fairly pure <laughs> or when you have enough wisdom um, to turn towards it and to develop it in that situation, yeah. Okay, wonderful. So that uh, is a little bit of a um, few words about um, karuna, about care. And uh, Ajahn Brahm very often says, it's so important to care rather than curing. Curing is something which happens in the process, if we are lucky, <laughs> or if the conditions allow. Um, and you can't always cure. You can't always, you can make things a little bit better. You can maybe heal them in a sense. You can make them whole again. You can make them holy. These are all words that kind of are connected to each other. But caring is something you can always do. Caring is never wrong. And I don't think you can care too much. If you control, it's not care. If you control, it's not love. <laughs> or it's not those highest attitudes and that we are talking about. But it, there will always be a little bit of that mixed in, which is okay. Right, so um, you know maybe also from last time that I like to um, use what I've spoken about for the meditation. So one uh, important aspect that I've mentioned a little bit as well is when we come in such a difficult situation, when we come into a situation to care, we have to make sure that we have some boundaries that we have some distance, that we have 
some clarity about what is going on and that we are grounded, that we feel safe. As I was saying with the storm before, that we are not out in the storm unless we have the right equipment and we have the right clothing and we go out there and do our job and then come back again and go back and forth. And that's actually one of those things as well with like first responders. You will probably know when you go to those first aid courses that they tell you first thing is safety. Make sure you're safe. Make sure the other person is safe. Make sure the people around in the environment are safe. So you want to make everything safe. So that's why I wanted as safe as possible. <laughs> so that's why I wanted to focus a little bit in the meditation on that part. On grounding on ourselves. On getting a feeling of safety, of feeling at home, of feeling protected. And if we have that, then we can go into a situation and we can actually invite the other party into that energy that we have created ourselves. Rather than telling them, oh, you do this and then you will feel safe. Do that and then you won't be afraid. So if we can the, be the role model for it, then they will feel it. Then they will pick it up. Then we can invite them into the room and then we are actually useful. Uh, sorry, I'm just getting going now because I have this, this idea. It's like with um, saving someone who is drowning. You don't want to go down with the person who is drowning. And that's what we don't want when someone is suffering. We want to make sure there is one person suffering. There is enough empathy and resonating to get an understanding of what's going on. But realizing always what I am feeling is not this person's feeling. Never. It is what I'm creating within myself, what I'm creating from my own experience, from the signals that I'm getting from the outside, but it's not what the other person is experiencing. I will never be able to experience exactly, unless I can read minds, and uh, I'm psychic and have those kind of feelings. Because why would we be able to watch something on TV and really get, get worked up about it, even though we know it's just an actor? It's not real. I mean, some of the stuff we see on the news is real, so that got me wrong there. But with stuff on TV, they have managed to create something which triggers things in us and makes us resonate with it, but it actually comes from within us. And when we realize that, then we can work with what is happening within us. And through that, we can work how we um, perceive the situation how we act in the situation, how we respond to the situation. So that safety and that groundedness, I think, is a very important thing. And then we can share it. But the sharing part comes ideally when we are more or less stable. When we get into a situation we have to act quickly, please just take a little bit of time to ground yourself, to take a few deep breaths. It is so crucial and I'm sure it will actually benef be beneficial for that situation. It will have a better outcome than when you rush in and start to um, you know, make mistakes or um, make decisions that are not, not really um, sound and not grounded in uh, what we've been talking about tonight. Okay, anyway, there we go. I managed to talk half an hour again so we have half an hour meditation now <laughs> if i manage to uh this time not go over time 
So you will all know what we usually do at this stage, so please make sure you are comfortable. I hope it's not too cold. Is it okay? We have the aircon on a little bit. Is it okay? Okay. Good. Is it? So I'm not going to switch it out. Yeah, no worries. It's good to feel comfortable. That's important. We cool everything down, but yeah, in a different sense. <laughs> All right, very good. So find a comfortable position and close your eyes if that is comfortable and okay for you at this stage, or just half close them if it's not, or know that you can at any time open them again to just stabilize or balance yourself if that is what is needed. We just really want to make sure that we are grounded, that we feel safe, that we feel okay, and whatever we can do to do that within the possibilities. Let us do that and be kind and be caring. Maybe also allow yourself to take a few deep breaths in the beginning. Just to signal to your body and to your mind that now it's time to wind down a little bit, <coughs> to withdraw from the world out there, and to go inwards. If you just wish to meditate quietly, please feel free to do that and you can just kind of ignore my guidance, my words, I hope they are soft and gentle enough in the background, but you can just perceive them like you perceive the rain when you're lying in your bed and trying to go to sleep so it doesn't disturb you, so it's just like a background noise. But if you wish to come along, I invite you to imagine that you're like a tree. A nice, 
mature tree. With a good root system, with a nice solid trunk, with a lot of branches going out to the sides, going out upwards to the top into a nice crown of that tree with lots of foliage on it, with lots of leaves. And then see if you can connect with this feeling of groundedness in your feet. This feeling of being rooted firmly in the ground. Being supported. Being carried by the ground. And you can feel that groundedness, that rootedness, maybe not just in your feet that are touching the floor, but also in your buttocks, in your thighs, sitting on the chair, or if you sit cross-legged on, on the ground. Just feeling the groundedness in that area which touches the actual ground or the surface of the chair, of the cushion. Knowing that you can trust. Knowing that you can let go and let yourself be supported. held. Hopefully you can feel the relaxation and the ease which sets in if you can connect to that feeling of groundedness, being reassured being carried, being held. Allowing yourself to be carried. And then you can move upwards into your hips and into your belly, to the lower back, sides of your torso, upper part 
the rib cage in front and on the back all the way to your shoulders also including the spine which naturally grows upwards like the tree does kind of by itself we don't really have to do anything as long as it's fed nourished has enough sunlight it will just grow by itself towards the sun towards the sky you can feel that you have a strong back just like that tree which has been around for a long long time has a strong trunk but this tree also has resilience and flexibility so see if you can connect with both of those qualities with having a strong back but with also having a soft front being receptive being open, being flexible. See if you can let yourself fall into these feelings. Bring life into this imagination that we're doing together. And then let us move from our shoulders into our arms on the right and on the left into our elbows making our way down to our wrists and into our hands all the way into the fingertips and you can imagine that this is just like the branches of this magnificent old beautiful tree with strong branches which are connected to the trunk And branch out into smaller and smaller branches that are more sensitive more receptive and more flexible they're strong as well 
that they're not rigid so they don't break in the winds of life so the wind can just sway this tree a little bit and it can just move through the branches freely touching them moving them a little bit but not taking away the groundedness, the connection to the tree the inherent stillness of them when the wind subsides having a strong back strong arms and legs but also a soft front flexibility resilience And then moving into your neck, into that last extension of your spine, reaching for the sky. Maybe with nice, fresh, tender leaves. Like your head the crown of your head the crown of the tree again not rigid not controlling in any way it just grows by itself and it's flexible enough to just go with the flow sway in the wind checking in with the relaxation and the ease that this imagery and the attitudes that we are kindling create and maybe just putting your attention your kind and care attention onto your face for a little while it's like the tips of those freshest leaves at the top which are very sensitive and allowing them to be at rest allowing them to be at ease 
And even if there is movement from the wind, having them float on the wind. Trust the wind. Feel safe. Maybe turn to your whole body to the sensations that are present. To hopefully a feeling of ease and relaxation. Connecting once more. To this imagery of the tree. Which is grounded. Which is stable. Which is strong. But which is also soft. It's also gentle. Which is also receptive. which also has resilience. And see if you can just allow your body to fade into the background. Fall off the radar. Just let it be. Feeling surrounded. Feeling held. Feeling protected, feeling safe.
being if you can just hang out here. Enjoying the peace. Enjoying the silence. If your mind turns somewhere else, your body or thoughts kind of ask for your attention, if you can just bring up this feeling of the tree again, connect with it. Rest in it. And as you wish, you can now stay with that feeling. Keep coming back to that feeling. Or you can invite the breath. Connect to the breath. Gently going in. Gently flowing out. Feeling you with a feeling of safety and ease. Allowing you to let go and settle even further, even deeper.
hopefully you were able to create a bit of stability and ease and groundedness by now. And I now invite you to shift gears and to move into this quality of caring. This quality of wishing that any suffering, that any disease, that any problem might be freed might be calmed, might be accepted. And who knows, might even be healed. And for that part, You can imagine that you have this most beautiful, fluffy, cozy, white blanket, which is just so nice, warm and snug. And now you can choose something within your body, which might cause you some suffering, which might be problematic, or something in your mind, some thought, some concept, something that bothers you, that is difficult to let go, that's difficult to accept, that's difficult to be with. And then you take that beautiful, white, fluffy blanket and wrap it all around that part of your body or that part of your mind. And allow it to feel safe to feel protected, to feel understood, to feel seen and cared for. So that it can soothe it. Anything in your body anything in your mental world. That has been troubling you or is troubling you right now. Envelop it. With care, with warmth.
with understanding. and thereby kindling the potential for healing, for change, for empowerment, for release, for letting go, for peace. Feeling really snug. <coughs> Feeling safe and protected. And then I invite you to choose someone outside, a person who might have died, a person who is still around, a person who might be in trouble at this time, in hospital, in pain, with mental anguish. Or maybe okay, but just someone you want to share this care, this warmth with. Taking this beautiful blanket and wrapping them into it. Embracing them with it. Allowing them, if they are open and receptive, to feel safe, to feel protected, to feel understood, to not feel alone. To feel deeply cared for. And seen. And imagine that person receiving it. Maybe see their relief, see their happiness, see a smile on their face, see their shoulders drop, see their tension or sickness seep out of their body, seep out of their mind. 
And as it is already time to finish off this meditation, gently, softly pull back. Arrive back in your body, in the sensations and feelings in your body. But with the memory of this meditation, with the knowledge that you can always come back to the strength of that trunk of the tree, to the flexibility of the branches and the leaves, or to the beautiful blanket of safety, of protection. As the bell, the singing bowl will slowly take you out of meditation. Welcome back. <laughs> I just have too many things to talk about. <laughs> we are already at the top of the hour we have together here. So thanks a lot again for coming along. There isn't anything in the room, in the group right now that someone would wish to ask or mention oh good we might as well call it an evening then please be safe be protected and be well <laughs>